11, actually. I'm sorry. And lately over in Maybank, you know, I've been kind of, you could almost say preaching a series. You know, I just recently picked up this book called Saving the Saved. And, uh, how many of you know sometimes the saved need a little salvation? They need to get a little more saved than they already are. But uh, I've been kind of digging in there and, and just digging into the Word and, you know, finding a, a lot about how just Jesus confronted the Pharisees and the Sadducees and, and really just attacked this, this dead religion that they, they put the people in and how all these people were just stuck in this routine and this monotony and this just dead religion. You know, in the Bible study last night, we was reading, we was in Mark chapter 1, and it says Jesus got baptized in the Jordan. He went into the wilderness. He come out of the wilderness, and he was in the temple, and they were having class in the synagogue. And Jesus comes in the temple, and this is the first time Jesus is, is, is out and about baptizing the Holy Spirit, been tested and tried out of the wilderness. He goes into the temple. He comes up to the front. He reads a scripture in the synagogue. And when Jesus comes into the house and Jesus starts reading the scripture, the Bible says a man in the back that had a demon started convulsing, started acting up, started acting crazy. Because how many of you know when Jesus walks up in the church, when Jesus walks up in the house, some things get stirred up, some demons start shaking, some people get set free. And so this demon was convulsing and Jesus looked at him and said, Be gone, demon. And the demon flew out. And we were sitting there and we were discussing it at our Bible study. Could you imagine being in service after service, synagogue after synagogue, and never seeing anyone ever get delivered from anything? Could you imagine that? So when Jesus stepped on the scene, and with Jesus comes deliverance, with Jesus comes healing, with Jesus comes restoration, with Jesus comes resurrection... And so these people didn't know how to act because all they knew was religion. That's all they knew. And so when Jesus stepped on the scene, he had a thing or two to say to these Pharisees. And in Luke chapter 11, in verse 37, in the Word of God reads, it says, Now when he had spoken, a Pharisee asked him to have lunch with him. And he went in and he reclined at the table. Look at courteous Jesus. Jesus kicking back having lunch with him. And when the Pharisees saw it, he was surprised that he had not first ceremonial washed before the meal. But the Lord said to him, Now you Pharisees, you clean the outside of the cup and of the platter, but inside of you, somebody say inside of you, but inside of you, you are full of robbery and wickedness. You foolish ones, did not he who made the outside Make the inside also, but give that which is within as charity. And then all things are clean for you. So Jesus is telling the Pharisees, Pharisee, it's not about the external, it's not about the outside. It's about the inside. And these people didn't understand that. Because on the inside, they were dead. They were like whitewashed tombs, Jesus said. They had no life in them, no joy in them, no peace in them. All they knew was religion. They were doing the robot in the synagogue. That's all they knew. In verse 42, But woe to you Pharisees, 
For you pay tithe of mint and rue and every kind of garden herb and yet disregard justice and the love of God. Justice, love of people and love of God. And when they asked Jesus, what's the greatest commandment? Try to chip him up. What did he say? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your mind, your soul, and your strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. But these Pharisees weren't able to do that because they didn't have what they needed inside of them. Verse 43, Woe to you Pharisees, for you love the chief seats in the synagogues and the respectful greetings in the marketplaces. Woe to you, for you are like concealed tombs and the people who walk over them are unaware of it. Father, in the name of Jesus, God, we thank you for everything you're doing in our hearts and our lives, God. Lord, I pray, God, if there's things individually in each one of our lives, God, that you want to check us on, I pray you check us on it, God. I pray you bring conviction into our hearts, God, and you empower us with the grace we need to overcome these obstacles in our lives, God. Because that's the tricky thing about sin and and compromises. We can't get out of it by ourselves, God. We need you, God. But we know this is why you came and died on a cross and rose again so we might die as well and rise with you, Jesus. So release that resurrection anointing into our hearts, God. Because we know the task you have set before us here within this church, this ministry, and us as a people, Father. It's a great task. You put us on a mission. You give us a vision. So now empower us to go get it and come back with it, Jesus. In Jesus' name, somebody shout glory. Glory. Now shout hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now shout you are worthy. worthy. Amen. It feels good to be in Ben Wiener. But you know, even in the Old Testament, you know, my pastor was sharing King Saul and King David the other day with me. And he was saying something about King Saul and King David. And if you look at it on the outside, even King Saul and King David, you know, they looked similar on the outside. They both were successful kings. They both ran kingdoms. They both had families. They both did this and that. But the inside was what was different. And when the Samuel prophet stepped on the scene to the house of Jesse and he started bringing his sons out to anoint the next king, he went over the tallest, the biggest, the strongest, over all the ones that it seems like on the outside would have made it. And this is where we get that famous scripture that says, Listen, God does not see as man sees on the outside, but he sees in the heart. He sees the inside, right? And let me share a secret with you, Victory Life. You will never turn the world upside down until God turns you inside out. We will not turn these communities upside down for Jesus until we let God change us from the inside out. We can do all the external, do all the ministry, do all the outwards activity. We can do all that. But until we get real and let God change us from the inside Put the fire of God inside of us. Put the passion and the love inside of us. We're just going to be turning our wheels. I was watching that movie earlier with my wife. It was Fast and Furious or something. You know, I haven't really seen any of them, but she was on a Fast and Furious kick. And I remember in one scene they were coming up and looking at the outside of the cars. And they were, okay, that's a cool car, that's a cool car. But the guys who knew a little something about cars, they said, that's not a good car. And they popped the hood open. And they looked what was under the hood. And they say, that ain't a good car. But on the outside, it looks good. It looks fast. It looks like a, a souped-up mamma jamma. And then you go over to the next car, and the next car doesn't look as good on the outside, but they pop the hood, and that sucker had a bad engine. I don't know, V12, 16, 28, whatever it was. It was a bad mamma jammer. It, it was a fast sucker. And he said, now that's the car. 
And so what I got from it is it's what's under the hood that counts. Amen. It's what's under the hood that, that counts. And I know God. Listen, I was remembering when I was back there worshiping, I was thinking of easy living back in that little old church in that that ghetto old neighborhood and that little old you know, trailer home. Just 10 of us in there worshiping and to where we are now. And to the passion and the vision that we still have today and now, I know God is calling us for greatness. God has great things for this ministry. He has great things for this church. He has great things for each and every one of you. Somebody should get excited in this place. God has great things for you. He's destined us for greatness. But we can't get off track. We have to live this thing from the inside out. From the inside out. I'm mean, saying, God, I want to get these guys on fire for you. God, we want these people to just step up into to leadership. We want these people to go to the next level. And God told me, okay, you get fired up about it. Quit trying to get everybody else fired up about it. You get fired up about it. And that fire from with you in you will come from out of you and get everybody else fired up. Are you hearing me? From the inside out. And guess what? You can't give something you ain't got. Amen? You can't give something you ain't got. You can't. It's not possible. That's why when Jesus said, listen, you have to love God with all your heart, and you have to love people as yourself. And these Pharisees are like, what are you talking about? Because they couldn't do that. They didn't have it within them to be moved with compassion. That's what the Scriptures always says. Jesus was moved with compassion. Something inside of Him moved Him to help people. And I was telling Elliot earlier, and what was really getting me to, I know Jesus had the Holy Spirit. I know he was the perfect example. Jesus knew these people were just coming to him to get a blessing, to get something. And the Bible says Jesus was still moved with compassion to meet the need. Some of us, if we knew why you was coming to me, oh, you just want some money. No, eh, ain't finna bless your game. But Jesus, there was something within Jesus that was always moved with compassion. He always met the need, even when he knew the people were just coming to meet a need. Because he, he was living it from the inside out. And when you're living it from the inside out, where your flesh and your character stops with compassion, the Holy Spirit takes over. So where you, you can't have compassion, the Holy Spirit takes over and compassion shows up. Amen? To stay in the home, you got to have the Holy Spirit. Because there's a whole lot of need for compassion. Amen. Right? But like I said, the inside of us, it's our storehouses. That's what we draw from. That's what we draw from. So when we're in an opportunity to exemplify the character of Christ, the heart of God, and we don't have what we need on the inside of us, we are going to fail as a witness for Christ. Because we don't have what we need on the inside. We can't draw from it. Are you getting me? Are you tracking? Religion works on the outside hoping to work itself in. Okay? Christianity starts on the inside and works its way out. Are you hearing me? It works its way out. Matthew 23. I got a whole lot of scripture. I figure I'd just throw a lot of word of God at you. Matthew 23. 25 through 27 in the Word of God reads, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites, for you clean the outside of the cup and of the dish, but inside you're full of robbery and self-indulgence. 
me say it again. Self-indulgence. <laughs> you blind Pharisee, first clean the inside of the cup and the dish so the outside may become clean as well. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites, for you are like whitewashed tombs, which on the outside appear beautiful, but inside they're full of dead man's bones and uncleanness. Amen? And Jesus, he tried to explain to us over and over that following me, it's going to change you from the inside out. It's not just going to change your situation. It's not just going to change the external. It's not going to change everything in your life, your your situations, your circumstances, all these things. It's going to transform who you are. You're going to become a new creation. He didn't just try and attack the conduct and behavior. The prophet Ezekiel, he prophesied it way long ago. He said, listen, you have a heart of stone. But one day God is going to take it out and put in a heart of flesh and give you a new spirit. That's what came out of the mouth of Ezekiel. He didn't say you're going to get new, new ways to act and new behavior and new conduct. He said, no, you're going to become a new person. The Apostle Paul, all things become new. The old man dies and you are raised as a new creation in Christ. Because the problem is when we focus on attacking just the outward just the conduct and the behavior, by default, we become religious. That's why when guys come in the home or girls come in the home and they're only here for a day or two days or so and they cuss or they act a fool, okay, you know we understand that, right? So we're not going to put the hammer down on them. Because what happens is if you start working with somebody on that level before they're even saved, all they do is to learn not to do that stuff around you. Huh? They just learn to not do that stuff around you. And so when you're not around, they're the same person. So by default, you become religious. You learn who you can and cannot act like that around. Let me ask you a question. Do you act the same around everybody? Let me get real deep and dirty. Do you act the same around your pastor as you do other people? Are you hearing me? Because pastor ain't Jesus. That's your pastor. Jesus sees everything you do, every twinkle in your eye, every word you mumble under your breath, everything you say late at night to your wife or husband. Amen? I'm learning that one the hard way. I'm racking up some bad points with Jesus. Forgive me, Lord. But let me ask you that. Are you getting trapped in this? Because we can't get trapped in this. Sin has to do with conduct and behavior. And in James 1.13, I'm not going to go there, but James 1.13 through 15, we know what it says. It says, listen, when, when you fall into sin, when you fall into something, right, don't blame it on external things. Don't blame it on people. Don't blame it on situations. Don't blame it on your baby mama. Don't blame it on the judge. You did that. It wasn't the judge's fault. It wasn't your homeboy's fault. You had it. That's your charge. Take it like a man. Amen? That was you. But what James says in the Word of God, he says, listen, when you say you're tempted, right, the only reason you fell for that is because there was something already on the inside of you that wanted it. Are you hearing me? There are certain things that the devil knows he can't throw at me. There are certain things the devil can't flaunt in front of me and me fall for it because I don't have a, a desire inside of me. It's on the inside. So even the devil knows that it's the insides that matter. And what he does is he uses the world to entice what's inside of you to get you to sin. Are you hearing me? 
So we can't just attack the behavior as Christians. We have to go deeper. And this is what Jesus, when he stepped on the scene, this is what he said. This is what he brought. This is what he brought to the table. It was something different. It was something new. It raised the bar. It wasn't just attacking the conduct or the behavior. It was becoming a new creation. Even Nicodemus, late at night, he came and he said, I know something's different with this guy. He says, what do I have to do to enter into this family? What do I have to do to be saved? And he said, that's easy. you got to be born again. And he thought it was maybe some new things he had to start doing. Or maybe some new things he had to stop doing. Or maybe a rules or set of uh, uh, things he had to start following. He said, no, you have to be born again. There's something on the inside that has to take place. Amen. Jesus didn't come just to change your conduct and behavior. Galatians 5, 19 through 21. I'm going to get to my title in a second. Galatians 5, 19 through 21. I think I have a water under there. And the Bible reads, Now the deeds of the flesh, this ain't the fruit of the Spirit. This may sound familiar to you though. Now the deeds of the flesh are evident, which are immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, disputes, dissensions, factions, envying, drunkenness, carousing, and things like these, of which I forewarn you, just as I have forewarned you, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Amen? But these are all things that start on the inside. So if the problem is on the inside, then the solution has to come to the inside. Amen? And right now, you know what God's trying to take us as a core unit, as a family? He's trying to really strengthen us together and unify us together because we're coming into a season where He wants to use us to reach lost souls, to impact communities, to plant churches, to plant homes, to start new works, to throw revivals, to get other people fired up. He wants to use us. But first, he has to do something inside of us. Here as a church, as a body, as a family, he has to strengthen us and make sure we're on our A game. Are you hearing me? Because the only real way that we can impact somebody is if we've been impacted. Amen? So my title tonight is Your Check Engine Light On. I think that's the light. You look to your neighbor and say, is your check engine light on? And look to your other neighbor and say, is your check engine light on? Do you even know what a check engine light is? You know, recently I had the check engine light come on in my car. The devil. And uh, I was driving down the road and the check engine light come on and Naturally, I just kept driving, and uh, as I kept driving, some new lights came on, which said something like uh, engine overheating, engine reduced to 25%, car stopped, all kinds of new lights I'd never seen before. So naturally, I did what any you know, grown you know, adult male would do. I called Bobby. And, of course, Bobby told me to get with Josh when I get home. So I got with Josh, and it turns out, you know, he told me to take it to the shop. So when this light come on, I took it to the shop. I took it to the people that knew how to get it back to where it needed to be, knew how to fix it. 
And these people uh, found out that I guess they didn't put enough oil in it when they changed the oil. And so they poured oil in it, and everything's been ticking and going mighty fine since then. Right? But this tech engine light, it's a beast. Right? It's a beast. But if you think about it, everything in life has warnings for us. Our, our bodies are built innately with, with, with check engine lights, with warning lights. You know, we start having, if something's wrong with our body, we start having symptoms. Like say if we have a disease or a sickness and, and now we can't sleep like we used to or we sleep too much or we start having pains in our side or we start having migraines and headaches or we start not being able to see so well. We have these symptoms, we have these things that, that start popping up and these are check engine lights for our physical health, for our body. Maybe you're, 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 you're drinking too much sugar and, and something in you starts hurting and your body says, hey, stop drinking that sugar, right? Or maybe you, you've been smoking uh, too, much, too many cigarettes or something and some, some stuff's been popping up. So, hey, quit smoking all them cigarettes. Our body's built innately with these check engine lights, right? And so what does each and every one of us do when these symptoms start to pop up? Besides old grumpy men, they don't like going to the doctor, you know what I mean? They don't want to go to the hospital to the doctor. They're going to make it. But we go to the doctor, right? We go to the hospital. When these symptoms start to pop up, we go to somebody who's trained, who's devoted their career in their life to recognizing these problems and giving solutions to help these things. Isn't that what we do? Well, in the same way, our spiritual life, we have check engine lights for our spiritual life. There's things that start popping up in our life when we're not where we need to be spiritually. There's things that start popping up, right? But in 1980, General Motors initiated a protocol, like I've been speaking about, to check engine systems. It's the check engine light that, used to, that would pop up. And, you know, as, as time goes on, the technology has, you know, grown more advanced and, and you know, been able to do more things and, and check more diagnostics on the engine and stuff. But this, is, this was supposed to make mechanics jobs easier. And all it did was for the consumer was produce a bunch of annoying, troubling lights in the dash. But it was designed to tell us that something was wrong with the engine and it alerted us to get the car to a mechanic so he can hook his little diagnostic reader up to figure out what was wrong with the engine so he can provide a solution so you don't have a bigger problem in the future. Right? And so the check engine light, it, it's designed to alert you to a problem that's on the inside. Because when you go by a car, you can't see anything wrong with the engine by looking on the outside of it. And so they made these things, boom, check engine light. So now you know there's something wrong with it, right? So we, we can only see the outside of the car, so if there's a problem on the inside, we can't see it. And some of us, right, we all, we all deal with this situation differently. We've all seen a check engine light or two in our lifetime, right? Some of us will rush it to a mechanic to get the problem fixed. Some of us will try to just fix it ourselves. Some of us will put a piece of black tape over it and ride it till the wheels fall off. Some of us will come up with a bunch of excuses while they can't get in the shop, they can't fix it, they can't do this, they can't do that. But I'm here to tell you today, this same mentality has crept in to where our spiritual engines need aligning and need fixing. Some of us ignore the problem and we're going to ride it till the wheels fall off. And some time goes by and we find ourselves in a bigger mess 
then the little problem that the Holy Spirit tried to, to convict us over to, to get us to, to fix it. Are you hearing me? According to the surveys from carmd.com, 10% of people drive with this light on and don't do nothing about it. And can I tell you something? I bet it's way more of a percentage of people that spiritual engine light is on and they're not doing nothing about it. Amen? We could, have, we could just be messed up on the inside, but we're sitting in church. I mean, we could just have all kinds of problems. But we don't want to get no counsel from the pastor. Some of us got our check engine light on right now. It's blinking, blink, 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 blink. Put some tape over it, right? But there's different reasons people don't get, get this done. And, and one of the reasons is people don't have the money to fix it. Or in other words, they don't want to pay the cost. Amen? They don't want to pay the cost. But what you have to understand, whatever little problems you're dealing with right now, you need to come clean, get over them, because the cost you're going to have to pay to the big mishap that it's leading to ain't worth it. It ain't worth it. Another reason they, 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 they don't fix it, you know, is they say they don't have any mechanics they can trust. They don't have any of the mechanics that they believe in. Huh? And some of us, that's our problem. We don't trust our leadership. We got all kinds of problems and, and we need help and we need counsel, but, but we're not letting our pastor tell us nothing. We're not going to get any guidance. We're not going to get any counsel. You know, he can help us in other ways, but I ain't fixing it. He ain't giving me no direction. He ain't telling me how to live my life. It's the same way. We got the check engine light blinking. Blink, 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 blink. You know, your pastor is a gift from God. Your leadership is a gift from God. The Bible says he gave some apostles, some prophets, some pastors, evangelists, and teachers for the edifying, the building up of the church. For your good. For your good. And if you don't jump on the problem when it starts, sometimes you're going to forget the lights even there. You're going to even forget the problems there. You may be washing the car, making it look real good on the outside, but something on the inside is jacked up, and that light's just a blinking. Right? If you don't address the problem, you become accustomed to it. It gets implanted in your DNA. And as time goes by, you don't even recognize you've got a problem. You're just living life. Could be so far off to where you need to be, and you don't even think you've got a problem. Are you hearing me? And that light just been blinking. And then not only that, not only does it begin to even develop your character, then it begins to build you a reputation. Oh, that's just so-and-so. That's, you know, that's how they do that. That's how they live. That's how they talk. But I thought he was a Christian. Oh, but that's, that's how he talks. He, no, eh? The light's blinking. Huh? It gets quiet in here. I know I'm saying something right. Amen? The light's blinking. We're all supposed to examine ourselves daily. Isn't that what the Bible says? The Apostle Paul in Corinthians, he said, examine yourself daily to test yourself to see whether you be in the faith or not. Examine yourself. Amen? I know it's so much funner to examine everybody else. But the Bible tells us to examine ourselves. Examine ourselves. Because at the end of the day, when this thing all wraps up, I'm not going to be accountable for you. And you're not going to be accountable for me. 
you're going to be accountable for every word that came out of your mouth and every deed and action that you committed and everything you didn't do according to what you were called to do. Amen? One day we're all going to see Him. So real quick, just a few, a few check engine lights for our spirit, for our soul. The first one's unforgiveness. The first one's unforgiveness. And in Matthew 18, 21 through 35, I'm not going to read all of it, but it's a story of a man that comes to his master and he owed his master a bunch of money. Right? This is a, a parable that Jesus shared with us. He owes his master a bunch of money and the master says, you know what? Go away, your debt's forgiven. And so this guy's like, oh yes, my debt's forgiven. I've been forgiven. And he owed the master some money. So he goes down the way and he finds somebody that owed him some money. After he just got forgiven of a bunch of debt, he finds somebody that owes him some money and he posts them up in the corner and says, give me my money, dude. Give me my money right now. While he was just forgiven. And Jesus is saying, he's saying, this is not Christian character. And if you've really been forgiven of everything you've been forgiven for, it ain't nothing but a thing for you to forgive somebody else. And if you really have the Holy Spirit working inside of you the way you, you express you do, the Holy Spirit is going to lead you to reconciliation of every relationship in your life. I don't care how they've wronged you. I don't care what they've taken from you. I don't care what they've done to you. The Holy Spirit will move you with compassion to reconcile the relationship. You can't have the Holy Spirit and your forgiver be broken. It don't work like that. The Holy Spirit is the one who empowers you to forgive. But these are one of the things, because we can, we can put everything on the outside and we can look like we're, we're playing the part. But when it comes to somebody wronging you, all that external walk doesn't come up to par with forgiving somebody that's hurt you. And so this is one of the, the, the warning lights that pop up. If you're having a hard time forgiving somebody, then you need to question where you're at right now in your walk. You need to get connected to the source. Right? He's like the man. Listen, we owe God everything. If you're anything like me, I was forgiven a whole bunch of dirt, a whole bunch of mess. Right? And so if God can forgive us for what we've done, how are we to, to rob anyone else of that forgiveness? Amen? God doesn't want us to be reservoirs of His love. He wants us to be rivers. He wants His love to come in us and flow out of us. In Colossians 3.13 it says, Forgive just as you were forgiven. Do you got a problem forgiving somebody? Forgive just as you were forgiven. And the second, the second light that starts blinking when you know you need to pop the hood and take a look at what's going on under the hood. Check the engine. The first one is unforgiveness when you have a hard time forgiving, right? The second one is selfishness. I don't even like preaching this. Yeah, I'm going to hear this sermon again tonight. <laughs> Selfishness. Matthew chapter 25, verses 31 through 46. I do want to read this because I thought this was kind of neat right here. Matthew 25, 31 through 46. This is one of the lights that start flashing. And the Word of God reads... <clears throat> 
It says, But the Son of Man comes in His glory and all the angels with Him. Then He will sit on His glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before Him, and He will separate them one another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And He will put the sheep on His right and the goats on His left. So right now they ain't separated. But one day they will be. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you are blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. Naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. And then the righteous will answer him, And Lord, when did we see you hungry? When did we feed you? When were you thirsty and we gave you something to drink? And when did we see you as a stranger and invite you in naked or clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and come to you? Then the king will answer and say to them, Truly I say to you, to the extent that you did it to one of these brothers of mine, even the least of them, you did it to me. Then he will also say to those on his left, Depart from me, accursed ones, into the eternal fire, which has been prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, and you did not invite me in. Naked, and you did not clothe me. Sick, and in prison, and you did not visit me. Then they themselves also will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry, or thirsty, or a stranger, or naked, or sick, or in prison, and did not take care of you? Then he will answer them, Truly I say to you, to the extent that you did not do it to one of these, you did not do it to me. These will go away into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. And so what Jesus is trying to say is if you say you're genuinely following, you're genuinely following Jesus, but you're never disadvantaging yourself for the advantage of others, you need to check yourself before you wreck yourself. I was waiting to say that. <laughs> Had to find the right line to put it, plug it, plug it. But this is what Jesus is saying. Listen, and, and, it, and it, this is hard right here because we get wrapped up in the external and the outside and then our mindset, our mentality becomes, what can I get out of this? How do I profit? What's my next move? What, what's in it for me? I want something. Me, me, I, I, me, myself, and I. Right? And then we start basing our decisions to what profits us. And Jesus is saying, listen, if you say you follow me, then you're, going, you're not going to make decisions just based on how you profit from it. If we're not denying ourselves progress for the progress of others, it's a good indicator we need to pop the hood and check out the engine. Amen? And while we're on this note... You, you need to ask yourself, why are you making decisions that you're making? Right? In Philippians, you know, the Apostle Paul goes on and he says, listen, don't, don't make decisions just based out of your personal interest. And then he's needing to send somebody to another church to start a work and to, and to do a move. And he says, man, all I got is Timothy. Because Timothy's the only one that's going to be concerned for your welfare and not focused on his own welfare. And so the Apostle Paul sends Timothy, right? And as Christians, we cannot be driven by selfish desires or motivated purely by gain. And this is definitely a trap of the enemy, right? We become like Judas. The Bible says, you know, Judas was in it for what he could get out of it. He'd held that money purse, and every time they put a quarter in, he'd take a quarter, right? He'd hold that thing. And as as soon as they crossed his will, 
and he found out he couldn't come up the way he wanted to come up, the Bible says he started looking for an opportunity to betray Jesus. We become opportunists. When our wheel gets crossed, we look for the next best thing. Are you hearing me? We start looking for the next best thing. Oh, man, I can't get what I thought I was going to get. Now i got to find something else. Right? Where's plan B? Not us, right? Lived it. Got the T-shirt, came back, learned that ain't the way to go. Amen? That's what Judas did. He started, he started looking for an opportunity. Amen? But, I mean, Jesus, it was easy. Jesus said, listen, do you, don't serve you can't not serve God and the devil. You can't serve two masters. You can't serve God and the world. No, Jesus said, I already, I already knew what y'all's problem going to be. You can't serve God and money. I already knew what was going to happen. Huh? Jesus said, you can't serve God and mammon. Sometimes, right? Sometimes we get focused on the cheddar. You know, the green, the cabbage, the lettuce, you know what I'm saying? Putting some, putting some commas in our bank account. And then that's, that's our whole focus. That's all we're focused on. That's our drive. That's what gets us up in the morning. While there's lost souls out here needing the gospel, needing the good news, we're focused on how we can get more money in our pockets. And Jesus already knew this was going to be a temptation. That's why he said you can't serve God in money. You can't do it. It doesn't work. Either one is going to lead you or the other is going to lead you. Are you hearing me? And money is not evil within itself. We have to have money to do ministry. We have to have money to have church. Unless y'all want to have candlelight services. We have to have money to do this thing. But the Bible says the love of money. Because where there's an extreme love for money, there's almost always an absence of love of God. Are you hearing me? That's why we need some John the Baptist up in here. Raised out in the desert, eating locusts, wearing camel skin. I bet he rocked that camel skin, too. Had some camel skin J's, some camel skin, you know what I'm saying, sir? He was looking good. Eating locusts and honey. They said, what you got? I got a locust smoothie. What's up? Right? He wasn't worried about that paycheck. He was worried about preaching repentance. He's worried about preaching the lost souls coming into the kingdom. He was worried about doing things, stirring it up for God, preparing a way in the wilderness for the one who is coming that I'm not even worthy to loose his sandal. That's what John the Baptist said. That's why John the Baptist, he wasn't scared to confront sin no matter who was in sin. The king was in sin and John's like, I don't care. Y'all, y'all ain't going to say nothing. Why? Because he's going to take your paycheck? I ain't worried about it. You're in sin. He confronted it. He wasn't worried about it. Why? Because he grew up in the wilderness. That's why in these last days, God's, God's, he's, he's planting homes. And he's, he's planting these ministries and these churches for these men of God who are raised out in the wilderness. They're raised out in these ministries and these homes and these deserts. And so when everything starts getting cut off and they start trying to take stuff and you got to get the, the mark of the beast and this and that to, to provide for your family, it doesn't matter because we learn to rely on God in the desert. We learn to trust God already. We learn to rely on God. We learn to depend on the one who owns it all anyway. You can't get me with, with you're not going to give that and that to me because God already got it for me somewhere. Huh? John the Baptist. Amen? Some of us are looking like Judas. Let me put my coin purse back up. You can't serve God and mammon. 
And even myself, man, I mean, it's, it's a struggle for me. You know what I'm saying? Because I'm over here and I'm doing ministry and I'm sacrificing and I'm going forward. Doo, 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 and then I see, oh, oh, this guy got a promotion. And, oh, now this guy's making this. And, all got, and you know what I'm saying? And then the enemy comes, oh, what are you doing? What are you doing, Zechariah? Right? The same temptations come to me. Amen? If I can't be transparent in church, where can I be transparent? If I can't be real here, where can I be real? You know what I'm saying? Tell the truth, same to the devil. Amen? But that's what, that's what the enemy knows he can use against you. Amen? If you get away from the, the church that I'm trying to plant you in, you can, you, know, you can make some more money over here. Get away from your pastor. Get up from underneath your pastor. Get away from your, the, the, the church. Get away from your support group. Get away from your spiritual family. Are you hearing me? It's the enemy, man. Are you hearing me? That's what pastor's saying this morning. He's like, listen, you know, in order to be a doctor, you got to put more time in. Amen? And I think the scripture says, whatever man soweth, he shall also reap. You ain't got to worry about it. So here's my next uh, little engine light. My last one is worry. Worry. In Matthew chapter 6, we all know this, 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 this story. Matthew chapter 6, verse 25. You know, the disciples are talking about, oh, we left everything for you. And, you know, they started acting like the Gentiles, thinking life's just about what you put on and what you put in your body and, you know, what you do and da-da-da this and da-da-da that, right? And he said, listen, if God clothes the lilies of the field, and they're, they're, they look better than even Solomon did with all his riches, and he feeds the sparrows that fly in the air, what makes you think he ain't going to take care of you? Which he loves like a son and a daughter. Amen? And one of the ways we know we need to pop the hood and check the engine is if we're consumed with worry. If we're consumed with worry. And so in this, in this scripture, Matthew 6, you know, Jesus refers to worldly people. He says, listen, quit thinking like the worldly people. Quit thinking like the pagans who chase these things. They devote their life to chase these things. People who aren't in relationship with God, this, he's referring them to that. Jesus is saying those who aren't in relationship with God, they are so distracted with everything else this world has to offer that they're not bothered with the eternal. Right? When the world and what it has to offer becomes our possession, anxiety becomes our Lord. Worry becomes our Lord. And worry, really, it's a check engine light. Worry shows us what rules us. Amen? Jesus is saying when you're so obsessed with the things in this world and you're not resting in your heavenly Father, you will be dominated by worry. Amen? And a lot of times, you know, worship team, you can come up. A lot of times, like guys in the home, they ask me questions like, you know, why am I worried about this? Zechariah, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm tripping about this and... I, I need to go fix this myself, and I need to go get this. And then, you know, of course, the only rebuttal is, don't you trust in God? But some of us, I think for some of us, inside of us, we may think God doesn't want that for us, but we still want it even though God doesn't want it. And so that's why worry controls us. Because we want something that God don't even want for us. Are you hearing me? 
And worry, really worry, all worry and anxiety is, this is a telltale sign that you struggle with controlling things in your life. That's what worry is. That just shows you that you struggle with controlling stuff. Are you hearing me? Because if you're really resting in God's love and trusting in Him, why are you worrying? God's got it. Amen? Do you believe God's got it? God's got it. So when things get out of control, you don't need to obsess and worry and try to get control of everything again. Just let it go and let God. Amen? Let go and let God. John chapter 4. I was going to title this sermon, uh, What's Inside Comes Out. And it's kind of funny because I wrote this sermon Saturday, and then I spent all Sunday with my insides coming out of me. So, so I, I figured I'd change the sermon title. God's like, you okay? You're going to preach it. You're going to live it. Yeah, God's a trip. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, an hour is coming when neither in this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know. For salvation is from the Jews. But an hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers... Somebody say, That's me, Lord. That's me, Lord. Yeah. Yeah. When the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. Mm. For such people the Father seeks. Come on, these people got Father. The Father seeking after them. For such people the Father seeks to be His worshipers. God is spirit and those who worship Him must worship in spirit and in truth. And the last thing, I mean we all know this man, right? We all know this. When you stop having desire for the things of God, then that's an indicator you need to pop the hood. And you need to check what's going on the inside. Amen. Because it don't matter, it don't matter what kind of situation you're in. When you're up in the church and the Spirit of God drops and the anointing invades the room, it don't matter what you don't got, what you do got, where you're at, who wronged you, who ain't here. Who broke up with you? What happened in the day? It don't, it don't matter. Because when the Spirit of the Lord is here, true worshipers worship. Amen? In spirit and in truth. So, so, so when, when, when you start having this, this lack of wanting to worship, you need to pop the hood. Check the engine. Check the insides. Right? And God has, God has blessed us with, with leadership. God has blessed you with a pastor, right? God has blessed you with pastors, spiritual mothers, leaders, deacons. God has has blessed you as a church, as a home. God has blessed you with leaders, a director, a pastor, right? Mechanics who know how to tune the engine to get it running to how it needs to run again. Amen? But you got to trust the people that God has assigned to you for this season. you got to trust them. Right? A lot of times the reason you don't want nobody speaking into your life is because you don't know if they have your best interest in heart. And I promise you, we have your best interest at heart. We want to see you blessed. 
We don't want to see you blindsided by the enemy. We don't want to see you going back to sin. We don't want to see you strung out in the world, strung off on some new sin. We don't want to see that happen. We don't want to see your family split up. We don't want to see you losing your children to the devil. We don't want to see you going through these things. And so if the engine started messing up, if you're having some problems on the inside, don't be afraid to seek counsel, to seek your pastor, to pop the hood. Amen? And if you're not where you need to be spiritually, okay. Do something about it. Don't ride it till the wheels fall off. That's how we used to do it back in the day. Hey man, it's three of the tires are popped, the cops are behind us. <laughs> Turns out it wasn't the cops, so just, you know, thought it was the cops. I remember I remember took my friend's car one time riding down the highway. Three of the tires were popped. And I'm riding sparks flying up. My friend's in the passenger seat braced like this. I'd hit a curb or something. He says, dude, I think something's wrong with the car. I said, no, nah, man, we're almost home. We're good. That's how we are sometimes in the church house. No, nah, we're good, man. We're good. Can't forgive. Ain't got no desire to pray. Struggling in our, in our own walk with God. All this stuff. But we don't want to pop the hood. We don't want to pop the hood. We don't want to become vulnerable. 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 That's that Louisiana swing. I can plead. Today's word out of Elliot's vocabulary. Vulnerable. You got to get vulnerable in the house of the Lord. That's funny. But seriously though, you know, there's a difference with, to, with not being where you need to be spiritually and knowing that and working towards where you need to be rather than you knowing you're not where you need to be and being in denial and riding it till the wheels fall off. Are you hearing me? Amen. And I'm here, I'm here to tell you. I know Pastor keeps telling you. There is so much God wants to use us for. Like, you know, before I couldn't see it, and God finally, you know, put me in a position where I can see it. Right? I went higher up on the mountain so I can see it. Right? There's so much God wants to use us for. I mean, it's crazy, right? It's crazy. But we can't give someone something we don't have. We can't get someone else on fire for God if we're not on fire for God. Amen. You want to know why our worship team is so good at leading worship? Because they worship. Because they have worship inside of them. It's inside of them. It's not music. It's not just songs. Right? It's not just music. It's, that's not what it is. It's worship. It's our hearts responding to the heart of God. It's the, it's the inside coming out. It's what's on the inside coming out. Are you hearing me? 
That's why the guys going out and get it in the streets, it's so, it's so impactful. Because that's really in their heart. They just, they just got touched. They just got saved. I mean, they, they were strung out on drugs for years and God set them free. And now they're out in the streets and they're handing out flyers. They're like, hey, Jesus can change your life. Hey, Jesus has the power. Hey, come to church. Hey, man, hear about this home. Come on, man. Because what, what's on the inside of them is coming out. And that's how true, authentic Christianity is supposed to be lived. Not externally. Just putting it on the outside. But from the worship on the inside of you. Coming out. Stand to your feet. This altar is going to be open tonight. I'm sure if God leads my pastor, he'll come, you know, pray for you if you need prayer. The altar's open. If you want to come, just hit your knees. You know, if you're if you're if you're a, if you're a baby in this thing, you know, I I we'll help you. We'll walk alongside of you. But if you start growing up in this thing, I'm not all, we're not going to baby you. You know where you are spiritually. You know what you need. You know if you need to hit the altar. You know if you need counsel. You know if you need to confess. You know if you need a refreshing, a breakthrough, a word. You know if you need to fast. So go get it and come back with it. Amen. Father, in the name of Jesus, God. Lord, I pray for those, God, that are... having heart issues, engine issues, God. Lord, I pray, God, that you just, however you got to do it, Lord, give that passion back to us. Put that fire in our hearts, Lord. Strengthen us together. Unify us, Lord. Don't let the devil come in and, and try to push in offenses and all this drama and nonsense and gossip that, that's not needed right now, God. Let us just focus on loving you, God. Getting the fire of God back in our hearts. Getting the true worship back in our church, God. Getting the fire of God back in our homes, God. In our marriages, God. In our families, God. Put it back, God. You are worthy, Jesus. We know you're going to do it, Lord. So we're right here, God. If you want to pop our hood tonight, pop our hood, God. And do what only you do best. In Jesus' name.